<laughs> if you already know Drake or you already been on Drake's TikTok or his lives or his Sunday Zooms, which will be once a month now. <laughs> Did you know? Now you know. <laughs> you know whose voice this is. It's Shan from She Gets It Pod. So while you're listening to Everything Culture with an A, not an I, check out She Gets It pod all right i know i'm the one with the little boo me on there that's me all right new season new season 22 giving y'all encouragement motivation and a real insight in the things that i think about on a daily but i'm saying them out loud to y'all so check me out on she gets a pod on your favorite podcast app and also find me and the rest of my podcast on shambypodden.com. Now, I hope you're enjoying this show with everything culture. Hey, Drake. I'll let you have your mic back now. Bye. I mean, appreciate it. It's, I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's just a crazy thing. You know, and I, I was working at Home Depot in Indianapolis for a while. Um, I was hard on my luck. Florida, Florida is one of the places that it's really easy to fall into a party lifestyle. You bottom out eventually. And uh, it, I knew the jig was up. I had to get out of. Uh, I had to. I had to. I had to. You know, go back and see my family, feel loved again. So you know, I moved back to Indiana. Just got a job at Home Depot. I just need to make some money and live with my family. Hmm. Um, and I was, I was, you know, doing my cashier thing. And this guy comes up and he's like, "Oh, are you? Are you? Are you Chicano? Or are you a beaner?" And I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, are you Chicano? Or are you a beaner?" And I was like. I don't know what you're talking about, man. And he's like, oh, well, you know, beaners are from Mexico, but the Chicano, like, I'm from, like, uh, you know, L.A., blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I didn't know that was a thing. But, and, it, and it's, you know, it was, it's, it's, it's crazy. It, like, it's, it's crazy how, how, what people will divide themselves over. You know, the joy of children laughing around you. These are the makings of you. True, the makings of you. What's happening, good people? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Whatever you listen to this, this is your host, Mr. D713 or Drake with Everything Culture. And we're back with the makings of this you. We're here with Mondo, and we're doing the makings of Mondo. What's going on, Mondo? How you doing? No, no, I'm doing pretty good just here uh, at my friend's house. We're filling up some meat. It's the weekend, man. Mm, love it. You know, it's Friday. You feeling good? Like, <laughs> especially when you got the grill going. Y'all using charcoal or propane? Uh, I think we're actually using wood chips. There might oh, be a situation. Mm, fancy. We love it. We love it. Okay. So, this either is- that or the charcoal brick. Hey, we all make it rock, you know, just saying mm-hmm. you know, propane or propane accessories, you know, but either, <laughs> but either Turned down for what do you feel me? <laughs> uh, but I was so happy. We've been talking about doing this for some time. I'm so happy to have you on and you be a guest here uh, with our platform. Um, and you're such an intriguing individual. And I'm happy that we're going to be able to share you, your story, your experience and your perspective on life with our guests. So. We'll get into it. Once again, this is a list of questions, open-ended. For the people who haven't listened to us before, 
This is getting a little bit more of a deep dive on our guest. And anytime Mondo would like to come back on a future episode, mm-hmm. we always refer back. Make sure to listen to his makings of you so you get to know him. We know Mondo a little bit more. So let's go to it. So Mondo, how do you define yourself? Define myself? Um, very vaguely. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I would say if we're going to break it down into, you know, bits and pieces that people can understand and relate to. I mean, from a deeper spiritual perspective, can you really define anybody or anything? But I mean, for the purpose of conversation, uh, I consider myself an Afro-Caribbean. And uh, I also, um, I, uh, I adhere to the to the ideology that uh, uh, gender is not on a binary, so I am I am non-binary as far as my gender identity, but I do recognize that I have a male body mm. that I inhabit, and um, you know there's a certain aspects of that that I can't avoid. But um, I myself have had a lot of difficulty uh, fitting in um, anywhere really, but um, especially coming up and everything. But as far as trying to fit myself into our society's cookie cutter model of gender identity. I, I, I don't, I don't fit into it. I've tried fitting into it and I can't, um, as far as, uh, uh, being Afro-Caribbean, I started using that phrase because, you know, I, I come, my family comes from the Caribbean, uh, even though I was born out here. Um, but, uh, much like the music is a, is a combination of, 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 you know, multicultural influences, uh, I feel that the people that have come out of there, myself included, are an Afro-Caribbean people. That's part of my uh, developing belief system. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what cultures do you represent? Uh, a lot of Atlantic ones, <laughs> um, right? So uh, if, we're, if we're looking at uh, DNA test stuff, um, there's just a lot of Spanish. Um, you know, coming up, I kind of get made fun of for being the light skinned one or uh, being being confused for a white person sometimes. But uh, you know, uh, I but and, and that that's the reality that I am. I am predominantly of Spanish descent genetically. But um, I was I was uh, delighted to finally uh, know that I am also uh, of African and Native American descent as well. Um, so. <laughs> uh, you know, some of the DNA tests are not very specific when it comes to what they mean about, you know, indigenous or Native American, mm-hmm. um, which I hope that could be fixed sometime soon. But um, um, uh, I would like to, I, you know, I would like to think that it's Taino because well, my family, my family's from Puerto Rico. Um, uh, they they do go into detail about African descent. And um, it's it's a lot of West African, which um, would make a lot of sense since the West African Creoles were from around that. It was over the Atlantic Creoles were from the, from that area. Sorry, Atlantic Creoles. Thank you. So, where are you from? Me, um, my family jumped around from Florida and Indianapolis a whole bunch, um, and then finally I came here to Seattle. And I, I like to think of myself as a Seattleite these days. It's been six years, going on seven, so. You know, it's my town. I like it. Okay, okay. See what you're <laughs> representing and see what you're representing. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you mind sharing your age with us? I am 34. I will be 35 next week on the 19th. Oh, okay. 
first of all, happy early birthday. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we got, I got to make sure to hook you up with something. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, okay. So it is April. So does that make you an Aries? Yes. In Western, I am Aries. Um, I believe. So what's your sign? That's the question. Yeah, yeah. It's Aries. In, in Western, yeah. I, I studied Vedic for a little bit. And um, I think in Vedic, I am Ashwini, for those who are into that aspect of it. But uh, but yeah, in, in Western astrology, my sun sign is Aries. Okay, so going to our next question: How would you define your childhood and upbringing? Um, you know, now that I'm at peace with it, hood as fuck. <laughs> uh, there was there was a time where the family was doing really well, and uh, some unfortunate things kind of happened for a while, uh, and so like my. You know, in, in my earliest memories uh, were uh, a time of plenty, and then um, very, very shortly thereafter, um, it became uh, a, a, it became the exact opposite. It became a, a time of plight, more so. Um, you know, we grew up in in, in Indianapolis. Uh, it is the Rust Belt. Uh, it was during the Clinton administration, so I guess the country was in a prosperous place, but I wasn't seeing it. <laughs> um, and uh, we jumped around a lot, you know. Uh, my mom was a single was a single mother with three kids, and so you know it was a very difficult transition from moving from a house with a pool to a cramped apartment with cockroaches floating, you know, crawling around everywhere. You know, um, it was on the west side of Indiana. Um, I, I started off in uh, uh, IPS, Indianapolis Public School System. Uh, they still paddle children uh, when I was, <laughs> and, uh, I think Texas might have been the same way whenever you were a kid. Yes, it was. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was one of those parts of the country where, you know, you know it's a paddling. Um, and uh, <laughs> I love my Simpsons quotes. Um, you know, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, it was pretty standard. I, I really related to, if, to use a pop culture reference, I think that uh, I was watching Behind the Music one time and they were talking about uh, Notorious B.I.G. and how his mom would give him video games to try to keep him out of the street. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, a, it was kind of like that. Whereas a lot of the other kids were out there playing, causing trouble or just playing, honestly. Um, uh yeah, I was kind of more to myself, you know, inside. It's not to say that I didn't get out there. I really enjoyed it. But, you know, uh, I remember going to the sandbox of one of the apartment complexes that we lived in. And there was literally a, uh, a, a bullet shell, a syringe, and a used condom. Mm. So it was, it was like the trifecta, all of the same like little sandbox area. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going back home. That's like somebody and, uh, had a wild night. <laughs> a really wild day so yeah and that's that's like um that 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 was it you know indianapolis i mean i don't want to i don't want to hate on it or anything but it's not it doesn't hold the best memories for me um and uh it it didn't it didn't suit the sort of lifestyle that i want to live mm -hmm. i have a very big issue with uh even the concept of the automobile and the Indianapolis is one of these cities that's built just as this big suburban sprawl. It's flat. There are no trees. 
it's gray in the winter. Just and people, people talk about Seattle being gray in the winter, but Indiana gets just as gray in the winter mm-hmm. and a lot colder. Um, you know, it's it's a cold, it's cold, it's windy, um, and uh, you know, it's it, it was the sort of place where you had to, well, especially the neighborhoods I grew up in, you had to pick whether you were white, black, or Mexican. And uh, <laughs> it was it was kind of the, it was this kind of the thing, and you had to like I guess pick a side. Um, it was it was to the point where um, I have this kind of like uh, allegory for it, but it's not just an allegory; it's like a like an actual experience. We there were two apartment complexes that were next to each other, and one was a bit more well off, still still kind of like lower middle class, but it, there were you could tell that the people there uh, made more money. And it was predominantly a white neighborhood. And then you had this big fence. And, you know, whenever your kid thinks seems, things seem larger, but I swear that fence looked like it went up forever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then on the other side um, was, uh, you know, was, was, was the black neighborhood, you know. And so crossing over, you know, we, have, we literally at one point crossed over into the other part of the, na- the, the, you know, from one neighborhood to another. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of crazy to think about because the only thing that it took was my, my mother's relationship status, you know, because you get two incomes and you could live in the better, better neighborhood. But if you just have the one neighborhood, you gotta, you gotta go to the other side of the fence. And, you know, I, uh, that's why I think that a lot of, uh, those, my early thinking, uh, was kind of fixated on gender and race because, you know, I, I came from a matriarchy um, and I think it was a matriarchy by force, not by choice, but I, can't, I come from this matriarchy where I don't necessarily have all those uh, examples of an older male, you know, mm-hmm. it was, you know, whoever my mom was dating at the time, but it was just crazy to me to think that uh, the, the, to me, you know, I think that it teaches kids and it kind of taught me that the, the key to prosperity was whether or not you were in a relationship or not, mm. which, uh, which is, you know, between Disney and all the, you know, and Hollywood, I think that that's kind of a religion that we teach in this country. Oh, you getting deep. I love it. I love it. And I, and I appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing you with us, especially with that question. And you touched on it quite a bit with this previous question, but to this next one, what were the roles of your caregivers coming up? Oh, mom was everything, you know? Um, and yeah, you know, like she, uh, I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a the crow shirt right now. And there's, there's a scene in the crow where like he busts in and like he squeezes our arm and the heroin all comes out and he's like, Oh, you know, mother is God, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to their children. Like, it was we, we kind of brought up like that. She she worked hard. Um, we I had to understand really quick that she wasn't around because she had to work. She was working. She it was the it was the it was this. I mean, it's almost a stereotype and a cliche right now. The two to three jobs, the uh, the going without food so we could eat. Like it was a lot of that. And then you know sometimes uh, you know there would be a boyfriend around, usually a black. Well, actually, most. The, I've never known her to date any, anybody that wasn't black or Latin. So, um, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and things, things would get better, 
but uh, and but at the same time, you know, pe- pe- adults are adults. They have relationships. Relationships, they 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 grow. They come together, and they they fall apart sometimes. You know, so you know, uh, you find I find myself in the situation where um, the males in my life, or the father figures, let's say, um, would just kind of add this extra spice of life, or you know, like like culture, like. One, um, unfortunately, Al passed away from kidney failure, but he uh, introduced me to funk music. And uh, he took, he would take me to Boy Scouts. And I even remember, this is before I started interacting with my own father, uh, my biological father. Um, but he, Papa was a Rolling Stone, came on by The Temptations. And I, like, I was a kid. I was like seven or eight years old. And it, it hit me. I was like, my Papa's kind of a Rolling Stone. And whenever I came to meet him and, and know him better, like he was wherever he laid his head was his home. And, and that's the way he was, you know? Um, so I would say that males had a very transient sort of, um, uh, uh, cycle in, uh, coming up, you know, like they would show up for a while and they disappear. And sometimes it wasn't their choice. So that's why I think I also don't, you know, there's, uh, I would say, uh, I, going on a journey of, of being non-binary, you can develop sort of resentment towards men. Um, but, uh, but it wasn't because of the father figures in my life, you know, there's sometimes, you know, uh, adults have differences and they split. Sometimes men die, <laughs> you know, that's just, that's just life. And, you know, I, I can't resent them for it. Absolutely. And once again, thank you, thank you, thank you. I would love to put Papa was a Rolling Stone behind this um, <laughs> speaking point, these talk, this talking point right now, but they would, trust me, I've done it before. The OJ, well, I apologize, the Temptations and OJs, they would copyright this. <laughs> I don't want to play a little bit of their stuff no more. So, but thank you. And I absolutely resonate um, with your upbringing so much. And going into that, you mentioned. Not only that you had two siblings, but you may have more. So how many siblings do you have? I have uh, my two sisters, um, Jinx and Kathy, I love you. Um, my my brother, Danny, um, he, uh, we weren't brought up together, um, but it's been a journey, you know, getting to know him and getting to understand him and where he's coming from. Um, you know, I love you, man. And then, um, but also, I consider him a sibling, my Uncle Lenny. He's only like four years old than I am. And uh, uh, try as he might, he'll always be like a brother to me. He's not, uh, you know what I mean? Like, he's my uncle, but I don't I don't really see him that way. I see him more like my brother. In fact, I'm, it's, uh, next week, I'm going to Indiana to his wedding. So I'm really happy. Beautiful. So going mm-hmm. home for a wedding and your birthday. Mm-hmm. All right, safe travels. I, I really appreciate that. It, and you, they have our love as well. So thank you. Thank you, Mondo. So when did you feel your first sense of responsibility? Uh, my first sense of responsibility? Oh, man. I, I think that my first sense of responsibility may have not been an event, but I've always had... I would, especially, especially now that I'm starting to feel better and feel like my old self, I've been going through some health stuff and I'm coming out the other side, but, uh, now that I'm feeling my old self, uh, I, 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 
I have a really overactive sense of empathy sometimes. Um, and actually like winning at games growing up ever or seeing people's emotions and the power that you have over people's emotions, I would say was my first sense of responsibility. Mm. Um, it's really interesting because, uh, you know, we like to think as people that, you know, you know, other people ain't shit. There's nothing you can do to me, you know, that kind of thing. But in reality, people are self-conscious. They care about what other people think about them. People can be insecure. People, um, you know, people, people can be frail, you know, they can be real fragile sometimes. And as a kid, I, I wouldn't even play sports. I didn't even like competing in things because the kids that lost, they feel so bad for them, you know, um, to the point where like, yeah, like even when it comes to conflicts, I don't care whether I win or lose. I really don't. And now I, I will say that I do. I care more about being heard and understood mm. than necessarily, you know, winning whenever it comes to most conflicts, you know? Mm. So, yeah. Wow. Appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. That's a different type of maturity right there. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do you feel so far about your education in life? Um, it's, it's tough. It's a double-edged sword when it comes, because like the last, uh, I believe in self-education, mm. right? But I really wish I had finished college as well. But at the same time, whatever I, the, it's, it's something I vacillate on because the entire reason I lost interest in college is because it wasn't what I thought it would be whenever I first went in. Mm. So, uh, so like I, you know, I, I, that's why I started believing in self-education. Um, Evelyn Underhill is an author, uh, a religious scholar that wrote about mysticism. And she made this point about, you know, every, every thinker, everybody that everybody goes on a search for truth at some point in time in their life. And some people, I'm paraphrasing, some people continue this journey of truth for their entire lives. And some people fall out of love with the truth and just go about the daily motions. Mm. And so when I read that, I I wanted to be one of the people that would continue to learn about truth and seek the truth. So, you know, sometimes there a lot of people that I knew in college that graduated don't search for the truth anymore. Mm. You know, I spent a lot of time, you know, in a campus ministry and some of the things that I see people saying and doing don't seem like the actions of a truth seeker to me and don't seem like the the actions of somebody that actually knows the truth as well you know so um i i so i i, I take it upon myself to do the best i can to to constantly be growing as far as my knowledge and education are concerned so that i can just do better um you know as far as a therapy method, um, I don't think cognitive the behavioral therapy is for me, but I do respect the idea that if your thinking is wrong, then your actions will be wrong. And that changing your actions starts with your changing your thinking. And that's what I believe. Um, uh, all the stuff about whether it's an effective form of therapy for me, that's, that's, that's a conversation from my therapist and I that I need to unpack at some point in my life. 
Mm-hmm. But as far as the philosophy of changing your thinking affects your behavior and your behavior affects the world around you, I dig that. I'm into that. It's kind of it's kind of my bag right there, you know. Um, especially if you grow up, you know, um, you know, hearing that your mind isn't right, you know what I mean? <laughs> like so yeah. I love it. Love it. And you 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 covering the questions, and I and I appreciate it. I ain't gotta ask it. I don't mind asking, but you are hitting it on the nose. And once again, this everyone that's listening, this is the makings of Mundo. Thank y'all so much for tuning in to Everything Culture. Um, make sure to check us out and on sh- uh, all ways you can listen to a podcast. You can see us on YouTube, and of course, share it with your friends and share it with your family. But once again, let's get back to the makings of Mundo. And going into our next question, how, well, I apologize, what was your first job? My first, uh, (laughs) going to church, um, (laughs) yeah, going to church, uh, it felt like a job, uh, in retrospect, um, I was there every Sunday, I volunteered for everything. Um, yeah, I didn't get paid for it, but it was something that I invested a lot in in my free time. Um, I would say that I may have not, I may, may have not um, received money for it, but I received a lot of knowledge and ex- a lot of knowledge and experience for it. But um, it, it does come with uh, feeling like I sacrificed my youth, youth for it. Um, as far as monetary wise, I dropped out of college and had to, you know. Oh, you're out of you. You're not getting financial aid. Well, you got a good job. Oh shit! All right, cool. Uh, who's going to hire me? Well, one of my buddies from the campus ministry. Um, he was a manager at Jimmy John's, and I started slinging sandwiches at Jimmy John's. And um, you know, uh, there was there was some other stuff on the side there, but um, those days are behind me. Um, so yeah, those those are my first jobs right there. Okay. How are you disciplined growing up? Um a palpable and um dis- you know disturbing silence. Mm. My mom she had a way of getting so angry while being quiet and you could feel her disappointment. Like, and I don't know what it was, but she could project it. So anytime mom was mad, it was like the whole house <laughs> kind of like, kind of became like a, like a, like a malaise. Like it was, it was not fun. Um, and uh, she would tell you, it, it was as simple as saying, I'm very disappointed in you. And, uh, and that was it. But then again, you know, I mean, us, us growing up, like, uh, you know, each each of the children have different dynamics. You know what I mean? Each and their own personalities and everything. So, like, I tended to be quiet and keep to myself. Um, uh, Jinx, being the oldest, you know, was always helping mom out, taking care of us. And then uh, Kathy uh, was uh, the stereotypical middle child. Um, so she was she was rambunctious. She was going to let you know what she was about, um, you know. And 
you know, we always felt growing up that uh, between mom trying to to raise us, um, a lot of energy went towards, you know, I mean, Kathy's behavior, you know, so uh, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of on the rest of us to kind of like just chill, you know, chill out. And that's that's how we that's how we came up. And you touched on this a bit already, but what were and what are your beliefs? Uh, my beliefs, um, agathism, which is the belief that everything will turn out okay in the end. Um, then, uh, as well as uh, monotheism, I believe that there is uh, one God. Um, I believe that as a Westerner, I am inseparable from Christianity. Um, I just, uh, I, you know, the big phrase growing up that I've been saying my whole life, keeping it real. And that's, I believe in that, <laughs> you know, and I'm just going to be real. Like, uh, I feel that I, I believe that Christianity permeates our culture in a really big way. And unfortunately, a lot of those ways are negative these days. I do not believe that was the intent and so that's part of that truth seeking, right? Mm. I know that a lot of the good and a lot of the bad in my ideology stem from Christianity. And so I spend a lot of my time unraveling that, that truth and what was the intent there. Yeah. And um, so uh, I do consider myself Christian, but I believe my, I believe I'm a mystic before, you know, first and foremost. Yes. So. Um, uh, and that's, that's tough here in Seattle. You know, sometimes uh, I think I think a lot of times you start talking about religion and then people just spout their opinions. I before I dropped out, I was studying religion. And, um, you know, it's 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 like nails on a chalkboard because it's like this isn't opinions. These are schools of thought. These are belief systems. These are these are people's uh, 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 lives and livelihoods sometimes, you know what I mean? And sometimes you have, actually, a lot of religious scholars are atheists, you know what I mean? Uh, so the study of religion does not mean that you actually believe in anything, you know? Uh, and then you, you go around in life, and every Tom, Dick, and Harry thinks they can just spout off, you know, some some opinion about about religion, and, and I have to listen to it constantly. Then whenever you try to weigh in, I was like, oh, well, you know, that's your opinion. It's like, no, I fucking studied this, too. <laughs> like, I read, I read a book. And, and that's one of the reasons why the pillars of everything culture is respect, communication, yeah. and consistency. Because you can give your way of thinking, but you have to be respectful that these are people's ways of life. This is their belief. This is their foundation. And you got to be careful where you spit. <laughs> that's what that's the, how I put on people all the time. But we're open to a conversation, but a respectful conversation. Yes, but thank you, Mundo. Thank you, thank you. Next question: Who has been the biggest influence in your life? Who has been? This is this is an interesting question because usually, usually the way this comes across is, uh, well, who do you look up to? Who are your heroes? And um, I always say I have no heroes, but uh, but like because I, I remember I remember this in, in Catholic school, like I couldn't even think about it because I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier about father figures. It's transit; people come and people go, and so 
as far as people are concerned, um, it's hard. To, it's hard. It's hard to tell uh, because uh, you know uh, I would say my parents, but um, they. I mean, no. My mom. My mom did her best to help me learn independently and be my own person. But I will say, my father, when he finally stepped into the picture, um, I was fourteen. And he was a former socialist. Uh, he was part of the Communist Party in Puerto Rico. And um, I would say, uh, I would say prior to my father, the television as, as, as an entity. Um, whenever you're, whenever you're poor, you, uh, well, okay. So we were poor and it was the, it was the 90s. So there were only about like six channels on basic television, and one of those was PBS. So on PBS, I don't know what it was, but PBS did not shy away from talking about uh, some of the challenges that happen in this country. Um, I mean, sometimes they sugarcoat things. Sometimes they, you know, they don't tell the whole story. But as far as a kid was, as far as a kid, um, if if anybody were to describe me as woke, it's because of PBS. Um, after that, I think that was reinforced by my father, um, because being a socialist, he would say things like, gente buena, no son buena cuando le convienen, gente buena son buenas siempre, which is good people aren't good people when it's convenient. Good people are good people always. Mm. And, you know, him, him and his socialist ideology, he believed in an equal distribution of labor. So if I was going off to school, he was he and he was going to work doing hard manual labor. Then when I got off of school, it was my time to do hard work and manual labor so that the household would be equal. And um, I mean, of course, there's a disparity. He loved he he doted on my mom. He loved my mom. So let me. I guess she was exempt from from our little miniature socialist commune. But um, you know, um, I would I would say that. Um, it was my parents and, and TV, you know, between, uh, between mom letting me become myself between my father, trying to instill some sort of ideology for, you know, he was making up time and I don't think he re he knew he had much longer also. Like, I think he knew that Alzheimer's was a thing. Um, I think those two components were, you know, are, are the thing that educated me the most, that influenced me the most, the people. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Mondo. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I am enjoying this. I hope y'all are enjoying this as well. This is the makings of Mondo. And quickly, let's let's shout out PBS. Like, I don't know, like, over the past maybe five, six years, I've grown to have a whole level of appreciation as an adult for PBS. And I think it came from when uh, one of our previous presidents tried to remove PBS and start supporting of it. And you, I realized, like, I have a lot of who I am because of PBS as well. Like, from not only Sesame Street, but it's so much more when I'm doing research and things here on the show of everything culture, I go to PBS for it. Like, they really touch on many topics and discussions that it could benefit society in total. So, once again, quick, quick, I had to do a quick plug for PBS right there. So, oh, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of unique right here going to our next question is if you could recommend a book, a movie and a television series, what would you recommend? 
Oh man, yeah, right up my alley. Uh, as far as books are concerned, anything by the author Paulo Coelho. He's a Brazilian author, and when I was younger, he uh, he was famous uh, since we're since we've been talking '90s and growing up. Uh, Bill Clinton recommended his book, uh, The Alchemist. Um, uh, I, I <laughs> yeah, uh, El Alchemista. Um, and uh, it, it was it was very influential. Um, I sometimes whenever I want to, um, you know, impart something meaningful on a friend, I will I will actually package up three books, and that is The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, um, and uh, Siddhartha by Herman Hess. Uh, Paulo Coelho is a Brazilian author, and he has this tree on the back of his books that's like each book is a, it represents a concept on the tree. So I think. The alchemist represents wisdom, whereas like um, Veronica desi- decides to die represents uh, melancholy or, or something. Or something. I, I, it's been a while since I've looked at the diagram. Uh, the Prophet is a book by uh, a Lebanese author named Khalil Gibran. It is um, it is about the Prophet as he's about to leave the kingdom of or the island of Orphalis, and the high priestess Almitra, I think her name is comes to him and says, speak to us of this. And then all the townspeople come to the prophet and they say, speak to us of love, speak to us of children, speak to us of giving, speak to us of money. And then the prophet gives a little blurb about each one of the things. And then Siddhartha by Herman Hess. Um, Herman Hess was a German son of missionaries to India. And he's, 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 uh, he's kind of, it's kind of his telling of Buddha's life or, a Buddha like a character named Siddhartha who was Buddha esque uh, because he meets Buddha at some point in time. Um, it's been a while since I've been mining my P's and Q's study, you know, studying deeper into that book, but uh, this is a reminder to, to dig, dig, to get back into that. Huh? Um, as far as movies are concerned, um, I um, am a, uh, I, I love popcorn movies. I went through a phase where I liked to be films a whole lot. But uh, give me a Marvel movie. Um, uh, give me Star Wars. I, I mean, like uh, 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 I love Labyrinth. I love I love all the. I, I, I believe in the high period of eighty science science fiction and fantasy films. So you know, you got Labyrinth. You got the Never Ending Story. You got freaking Fly of the Navigator. You got like all the all that campy eighty sci fi fantasy. All that stuff. I have one stuck in my head right now. I cannot think of it. I, you know, I have a Labyrinth t-shirt as well. <laughs> I don't know how to pull it out the closet, put it on. Oh my God, what's the other one? It was on Netflix. And they came out with, I think they came Dark out Crystal. with another series. Say it again? Dark Crystal. Yes, Dark Crystal. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, big Dark Crystal fan. Um, uh, you know, all, all those all those, those campy 80s sci-fi fantasy films, I don't know why they stopped making movies like that. Like even now, when I, I it, it inspired me to do you know sci-fi fantasy myself. Do you think it was because of the passing of Jim Henson? I think so. Um, Brian Henson went on to do Farscape. Um, I'm a big dweeb for the Henson family, but I think that was a big part of it. And also, Labyrinth was a theatrical failure. Was it was a was a was like a like a like a financial failure? Really? So. I didn't know and, this. And, yeah, it, it 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 bombed at the box office, but it had a cult following. And then Jim Henson passed away four years later, before he could he himself could do Farscape. And so Brian Henson, it took him years to do Farscape after the fact. 
Um, but he, he took up and did that. But I think actually, if, if I think he got my gears turning because I like to, I freak out about, um, the big three people say that Sopranos was the first show to have a big arc and be, be really popular. I would argue that it was Farscape, Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Nine, and Babylon Five, because they knew that the geeks and nerds that were tuning in would keep watching every week. So you notice the first seasons of some of those shows were like episodic, like Star Trek, mm-hmm. and then they were like, "We're going to do this big story arc." So I would say that, like, perhaps the um, high fantasy film of the '80s died, but if it wasn't for Jim Henson, we wouldn't have the big story arc. TV shows that we that people love now, um, and then okay, okay, so you said TV show, and then those are the three TV shows I'd recommend. Uh, I haven't finished Babylon Five yet, but there we go. I didn't even realize yeah. you tied it into the TV shows. <laughs> like, you put them all together. Yeah. I'm just over here, just enthralled. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Uh, oh, Moon Knight's pretty good so far, though. I, I need to see episode three. I, I like Moon Knight. I've been hearing it was good. I hear it. Yeah, I used it's different. Shout out to it my sister-in-law. It doesn't even feel like a, a Marvel thing right now. It feels like new. And like, so, okay, I want to get the soapbox real quick. People talk about, people talk, I, I saw I saw a quote-unquote hot take where somebody was like, oh, you know, uh, Marvel movies like sacrificing quality over quantity. And it, I my thing is, is that these are based off comic books. What's happening is that the comic book is becoming the the film now, mm-hmm. and you know what I mean. Like, oh, you think? Do you think that every comic book Marvel releases has been the highest quality thing? Marvel has been doing crappy comic books since the beginning. People hated X Men at first, you know. So I mean, like people people freak out about like, oh, another movie stand on their own. None of the comics stand on their own. They've been, you know what I mean. Like, you, you got to respect your medium and some. Or your genre in this case. And as genre jumps from medium to medium, it's going to change the medium that it touches. You know, we weren't watching movies as long as Lord of the Rings before Lord of the Rings came out. But when you take that book and you put it on the big screen, you're going to have a long ass movie. I was watching The Color Purple, and it's a long ass movie. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, oh yeah. Um, there's, I, think it's, I think the podcast is called Religion 101. And they recommend that book for um, for uh, their their first episode talking about religion. It's interesting. Let me tell you, yes, because I read the book this page. This ain't this is the makers of Mundo, y'all. Okay, but when Are I you read, gonna but when <laughs> I read the book, and I'm gonna say this for you know people, the relationship that she has. It starts off all about God and her relationship with God. And it gradually diminishes, and then it comes back. And it's and if you listen, and if you read, and you pay attention to it, you'll be like, "Dang, wow!" It's such a touching story. And I, it's it's one of my top favorite top books. It one one of my favorite movies, and my top three book. I would say that for sure. Yes, um, uh, it it's it was so, oh, and if you like a good show, check out a show. By the name of From F R O M. Okay. If you if you want to get caught up in something this weekend, check mm-hmm. out From. I no? promise you, it won't disappoint. 
Yeah. Uh, what 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 uh, streaming service is it on? It's on Amazon Prime, but you can go to Epics and watch it on Epics. That's really okay. It's, it's really on Epics, but you can watch the first three episodes for free on Prime. And it, it it did catch me. It's like you now you got after first three you got to watch the rest for you know seven weeks. I mean not seven seven day trial. And I was like okay. Then I was like okay I'm hooked. I, I, I'm hooked. I can't I can't let it go now. It, it's I'm looking forward for tomorrow. Put it that way. I haven't felt this way since I had cable, and I haven't had cable in about fourteen years. Mm-hmm. So yes. Uh, streaming service shows that I like were uh, the great. With uh, uh, Sasha Dowen and Dakota Fanning and all them, and uh, Hulu has Atlanta right now, and it's great. I love that show. The first episode of the season was. Oh, the new season's out. That's right. Thank you for reminding me. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's it's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, but I knew I had to bring it up for a reason. That's right. There's <laughs> a lot of people with the first episode, but the first episode is like, man, it's a. You'll check it out. We'll talk about. It. We 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 got to talk about it. Well, yeah. Coming back to the next question, if you can call three people to speak with, who would it be? And these this is could be someone that you've met before. If you never met before, if they're here, they're no longer here. If they're fictional, whatever. Three people you'd like to have a conversation with. Oh man. Uh. <laughs> um, let's see. There's so many ways you can take this question. Uh, well, in, in reality, I, I would love to talk to my father again. Like that's just that's that's default, but that's just like that's life. You know what I mean? When people are gone, they're gone. And you're always gonna you're always gonna miss them. Um, that's one. Uh, two. Uh, I think. I mean, yeah. Of course, I'd talk to Jesus. I mean, it's like it's one of the most influential people in in, in history. Like. Of course. And then three would be the doctor from the show Doctor Who because he's awesome. And uh, I would hope that when I go to call him, I would call him from a police call box and then find out when I opened it that the police call box is bigger on the inside and it's actually the TARDIS. So that, that's my three. Mm, got deep. <laughs> See, yeah. I was going to ask you, does it matter which version? Um, ooh. Scarf. Uh, 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 is, is it Tom Baker? Is Tom Baker the one with the scarf? Uh, I forget. And Whovians, I'm sorry if I got that wrong. But I think it's Tom Baker. Uh, actually, people hate on... Uh, not Jodie Whittaker, the most recent one. Um, uh, Peter Capaldi. Uh, but I like Peter Capaldi. He's the Scottish one. I think he's a. I think he was a great doctor. And he brought the, he brought the darkness back. He brought the scary back. That's the one I like the most, actually. And I, I have I've been so out of touch with Doctor Who. I like it got to the point where it overwhelmed my life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like took over that all I watch. It's like, and I was like, ooh, I need a break. And I haven't came, but when I know when I come back, I like I gotta ooh, make some time for that. I'm in, I'm in a busy part of life right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but uh, no, no, I, I, that's the thing about uh, Jodie Whittaker's doctor is that she's fantastic. She's great, but um, I don't. I would be perfectly honest. This is where streaming and uh, and ver- stream versus cable actually becomes a thing mm-hmm. because it used to be I could just tune into BBC America 
if I had a cable package and just watch an episode of Doctor Who. Now it's been jumping from streaming service to streaming service. It does. I don't feel like it has the same cadence that it used to. And you know what I mean? Like I, I, I think that Jodie Whittaker's performance has been kind of like lost when it comes to uh, lost in the in the streaming versus cable shuffle. And it's a damn shame because she has a really great energy. Her smile is just kind of infectious. Um, and uh, she really does the uh, manic part really well. So, yeah. yeah. I'm about to get back to it. So, so we got your father, Jesus, and Doctor Who. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I love it. I love this. I love this. So, what has been an impactful moment in your life? Um, an impactful moment. Um, you know, I wasn't I, at this stage in my life. I'm not as proud of the missionary. Well, the intent of my missionary work when I was in Latin, you know, quote unquote Latin America. But but going out there in the world and seeing what the world can be like for some people, you know, actually most people in this world, um, it uh, was so impactful. Going to El Salvador, going to Guatemala. Uh, Argentina, I love Argentina. Argentina is just so nice. Um, but going to those places was were some of the most impactful experiences. Uh, I would say the recession was a really big impactful time in my life. Um, uh, it is whatever because whatever I think I think the church obsesses over generational studies more. I forget what that science is called, um, but. Um, uh, you know, so I'd already, I, I'd, I'd already, you know, learned about echo boomers and then they changed the phrase to millennials and all that stuff. Um, and I, I used to debate it, but then by the time, you know, I was an adult and by the time, uh, you know, I dropped out of college, the great recession was on the quote unquote great recession was on. And, um, I was, uh, you know, identified as, you know, I was a young, perfectly healthy male and I couldn't find a job. And then you have these people saying, oh, millennials, millennials, like millennials are so lazy, millennials this, millennials that. And I, I would get mad at, at people talking, pointing the finger at millennials because it's like I became an adult and the first experience was disappointment. You know what I mean? Like the, it, it is a generation defining moment, the Great Recession. That shit sucked. Let me tell you something, something Mondo. I just said this, like I haven't posted the video on IG yet, but I share stories of how I started working at the state and I share like people don't remember 2009. I, I graduated and I couldn't find a job for like six, like, and that was one of the hardest times in my life after college when it's supposed to be like, everything's supposed to come now. You have a degree. You did this. No work. It, it, even the places I used to work said you're overqualified now. I thought that was a joke when people said you would be overqualified for something. And wow. I and I was like, I need money to survive. <laughs> you know, what do you yeah. mean? And when you say all the, like that was a very stressful time that a lot of people just sweep over. You know, it's like it, it it was oh my god, I remember crying in one of my friends' cars because I'm like, I've never been in this, I've been poor, I've been low income. This is what this is not supposed to be this way, you know. Mm -hmm. So I absolutely understand where you're coming from. Absolutely. You know, not not to politicize it, but people wonder like, 
why, you know, uh, why, I mean, the, the right does what it does, but like, you're coming out of the Bush administration, going into the Obama administration, and why, you know, our, our I feel like we had, I, I idealized Barack Obama so much in that time period because I was freaking happy for two seconds. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was a, it was a good time because 2009 sucked so bad. Mm. It was horrible, you know? So, um, yeah, it was, it was wild, you know? And, and you know, uh, it's, it, it was an insane time. I would say that was, that was one of the most trying times in my life. That was a very, um, impactful moment. Let's say that. Like, <laughs> say that again. Goodness. Okay. Thank you. If you had a theme song, what would it be? Um, Move On Up by Curtis Mayfield. That's a bad man. I actually, I used to joke around um, that I, I would I would connect a device to my heart that when it stopped, I would uh, my outro would be uh, Move On Up by Curtis Mayfield. Wow. Um, maybe, because not even, I mean, like, you know, you you, your musical tastes change over time, but first of all, the song is funky. You know, it, it's it's what we call a banger these days. But also the message that it's saying, that is the, that, you know what I mean? That will make it eternal in my mind and my heart, you know? What's the name of this um, episode? What's the name of this segment? It's called <laughs> the, the Makings of, uh, of Mondo, but I thought it was Everything Cold. But it, the, it's it's called the makings of you. Oh, okay. And Curtis Mayfield, that comes from Curtis Mayfield. He, the, the song, the making. Oh, of you. oh shoot. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, that's why I'm like you brought up Curtis Mayfield. I'm like, hey, this is a this is a creation of Curtis to the extent. It's like, <laughs> the, the sitting down thinking, and I listened to that song. Oh man, it's just that's what he was up. Uh, Bad, he when I, you know, when we say bad, you know what we understand it, but such a creative genius. And Mm -hmm. even the music he made, even Freddie's Dead, he talked about some serious stuff that was going on during those times. And he talked about a lot of uplifting things Mm -hmm. as well. But it was the 70s was not pretty. I mean, okay, so that's funny because comedies use the song Freddy's Dead because they I think they use it on Friday and they use it in Boondocks. Yes. And I so in my mind like I'm like, oh it's just a song for Friday Boondock. But when I actually sat down and listened to the lyrics, like holy this Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. man. Oh the, I mean he is such a, a genius. So hey shout out rest in peace Curtis. Um but great artist. Um how would you define joy? Oh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, uh, uh, speed talk of joy and, and even in, in my upbringing, evangelicalism and all that. So I, I, I defer to that a lot, which is, uh, the, the old axiom, like the, the phrase, uh, happiness is temporary, but joy, you know, kind of like lasts forever. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to say that joy had a feeling, I would say that, uh, joy feels more like contentment but it has a a sort of deeper kind of more gut feeling whenever you know whenever i like joy to me joy is like you internally feel like 
a spring evening where there's just the slightest breeze, you know. Uh, I believe that joy is a state of mind that um, uh, elicits clarity mm. and uh, serenity and peace, right? Uh, joy is not a rocking sea. Joy is a calm lake. Joy is uh, Otis Redding sitting on the dock of the bay. That's joy. If you want to know what joy feels like, that's it. <laughs> uh, once again, I would love to play songs during this episode. <laughs> <laughs> these these uh, art. This is art right here. And you speak, you're speaking a great word, Wando. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what privileges do you benefit from? Uh, my lighter skin. But it's not the right kind of lighter skin. So people are up to, you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Uh, uh, it's, <laughs> sorry, look at me talking to you about skin. Uh, but, uh, no, I mean, it's, it's funny though, because, uh, all right, so I'm at my buddy Bill's house. He is only a quarter Mexican, right? Um, he went from LA to a rural Ohio. And all of a sudden, he's a gay queer Mexican. Mm. You know what I mean? And and like, so and that's the, uh, you know, we may have differences in opinion, but uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's crazy that yeah, I, I get privileged because of my light skin. I get confused for for a white person sometimes, but but I mean, if you go to a very uh, not as specific as you would think type of white space they they know that i'm not one of them undo you you know the work we do okay yeah and you know the discussions we have and i know when people say they're white i really didn't hear white passing that much until i came to this area in seattle and yeah. when people say i'm white passing in my head once again i'm I'm like, not where I'm from, you're not. <laughs> like, not no, you're not. I like I was raised like you like when you were speaking about your hometown in Indiana, like um Indianapolis, it was like my hometown. And it was like, uh, yeah, you got three choices. White, black, or Mexican. The choice is yours. Latin yeah. what? Uh Nigerian, uh, Kenyan what? Like it's it's that, that separated. And they really, and I didn't, once again, this is the Makers of Mundo. Let me stop. This is the Makers of Mundo. I talk about that on my episode, but this is your thing. But I I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. And that any other culture, those are far off people that you see in other lands or exotic ports like New York or Los Angeles. Like, yeah, like, like it's, you know, like, uh, it's, it, it was, yeah, I, I benefit from, I, I realize I benefit from the color of my skin, but to an extent, mm -hmm. I think that. Uh, Florida, Florida, yeah, I, I, I don't want to hate on Florida because I love it. I don't want to hate on Indianapolis because I love it. Florida has a weird relationship with Latinus, I think, mm. because um, I have very strong feelings against, uh, about, sorry, I should say, I have very strong feelings about um, uh, Latinx people. Um, posing as white people, um, it is it is it is something that uh, I 
guess it was something I was raised with. I'll, I'll put it this way: my mom, my mom, my mom said, if if you know somebody speaks Spanish, and you say something to them in Spanish, and they respond to you in English and refuse to speak Spanish, you don't trust that person. <laughs> like this, this that's a that's a red flag auto like because I saw it like this dude. I know this guy is Latin. We, we, we it was a family situation. We we knew that he spoke Spanish, and he we spoke to him in Spanish. He gave us a stank ass look, and then proceeded to speak to us in English. It was a non starter. My mom was like, "I don't want to do business with that. No, no, I don't. I don't want to deal with you." And, and uh, there are some places in Florida that are like that. And and the way I was brought up, that's that's treachery. That's that's, that's not good. There are some places in Texas as well. <laughs> and I had to get used to that here on the West Coast because I feel like there's more. I don't. I, I don't know what the science of it is. I think it has something to do with the corridors, the highways, and how they're built. But people from Texas tend to come up here a little more often than they go to Indiana. I think. But um, but I started interacting with uh, Southwestern Latin people, and it's it's it was it was interesting to me because uh I, okay so i'm at a convention right we're playing role-playing games but tabletop convention and this i see one brown person that i know is that and i was like hey yes i found another one and he looks at me i was like well, we're all over the place and i go <laughs> look around you not here and he goes holy shit we're the only two and i'm like yeah have a nice day and I walked off because like, and that's, that's something else. Like, um, you know, uh, I've, I've, I've come out of coping with the, 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 I think that I, I, I benefited from the privilege of my skin in Florida more so because of that though, because, because in Indianapolis, like, uh, they're more, they're, they're more privy. Whereas in Florida, I feel like Latinness is more normalized. So, oh, I gotta share. Like that's kind of the feeling here in Seattle. Like in Texas, um, I used to go to speaking engagements. Had a lot of events. Uh, this was one from my previous organization I worked for. Was not the current one. Let me tell you that very much different. And I was the only black male in there. Like it was. It was actually a. Um, a shoot, a pull. Basically, a lot of white men with alcohol with shotguns on their shoulders. Oh, God. That was my one and only time going to that event in the day. Okay, let me tell you that. No, it was, but it was nice. It was cool setup, raising money for kids. When I tell you, it was one other black guy. I saw him walk in. He was almost a hundred yards away from me. I saw him. He saw me. It wasn't like it was like. We both threw our hands up. We can't, he can't even spoke. He like, I had to come talk to you. What's up going on, brother? Like, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> that connection immediately. And we did this in front of everybody. It was like a immediately, immediate connection. We got you. Cool. Have fun. Look out for each other. In Seattle, it's kind of hard to find that. You know, it, it's here, but it's not as I've, I've had take hey, the same thing and like what? <laughs> like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And and like you say, it's a lot of people from Texas up here in Seattle. And I talked to other black folks from Seattle, and they expressed, "Did you get that feeling?" I like, I got it too. So I'm not crazy. You're not crazy. It's like that. So it, it, it's a 
it, it's a warm feeling. And I say that often with some people. And, you know, if they listen to the show, y'all know I'm not. They, I, the ones they know, they listen. They know I'm not lying about it. But I appreciate when we had that connection overall. But no, it's I mean, really appreciated. It's, I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's just a crazy thing. You know, and I, I was working at Home Depot in Indianapolis for a while. Um, I was hard on my luck. Florida, Florida is one of the places that it's really easy to fall into a party lifestyle. You bottom out eventually. And uh, it, I knew the jig was up. I had to get out of, uh, I had to, I had to, I had to, you know, go back and see my family, feel loved again. So, you know, I moved back to Indiana, just got a job at Home Depot. I just need to make some money with my family. Hmm. Um, and I was, I was, you know, doing my cashier thing. And this guy comes up and he's like, oh, are you, are you, are you Chicano or are you a beaner? And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, are you Chicano or are you a beaner? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. And he's like, oh, well, you know, beaners are from Mexico, but the Chicano, like, I'm from like, uh, you know, LA, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I didn't know that was a thing. But, <laughs> and, it, and it's. You know, it was it's 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 crazy. It's like it's it's crazy how how what people will divide themselves over. You know, you've created an episode for the future. <laughs> oh, and, uh, and then I responded, "I'm Puerto Rican, dude." <laughs> yeah, uh, oh. no, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's a shit. Oh, but the thing is, like when I'm saying, like I, I I'm a big, but I love to have this conversation once again for everyone because I've had guests come on the show to have a different experience, and I've had. Yeah, I, 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 I'm like you got my my gears are turning right now. This is an yeah. everything culture conversation for sure because I've been in spaces in conversations. And I, you know, I say spaces like real life spaces, and I sat down and just listen, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, I'm like, this is different. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it is and it isn't. You know, that's all like because everybody is that intersectionality of it all. But I'm like, uh, see, we got some. That this is is some drama in the household type thing. Let me step out. You know, I, I think that the biggest thing in world history that um, startled me as I started as I started transitioning to a more decolonized approach to studying world history is it finally clicked. Which people that learn colonized history probably know this too, but it took me decolonizing to learn this. Is that people will fight locally more vehemently than they would fight a foreign invader right you have you have so many cases throughout the world where neighboring communities hate each other so much that they'll say oh complete weirdo from another you know so from my perspective world come on in we'll serve you just kill those guys we're just so sick of them and it's 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 bizarre divide, to think about. Divide and conquer. It's been that's part of colonization. That's one of their greatest tools. That's why I couldn't stand the previous administration. Have them fighting among one another, so we can come in and take their resource resources and their goods. And uh, it's like it's such a cycle we've had in this world. But oh, but we got to keep things going. I'm enjoying this. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Oh man, so. When did you realize you were different? Oh, people let me know that early on. Like me, <laughs> there was there was no mystery about that. Like uh, I do think that there's the delay that you get whenever it comes to uh, starting school. Um, you know, there's something about homeschool, but there'll be something about being six years old or being you know 
going into a kindergarten classroom and the kids will let you know real quick you're you're, you're different you know um you know being non-binary uh you know that from my perspective it's a very recent thing but you could only be told uh to sack up or be a man or or you know all i hear is not be you be somebody else before you're like well then i'm not what you think i am then then i'm just i'm going to i'm going to make my own path and honestly that is the most quote unquote masculine decision i ever made to not to not to not fall into the gender binary anymore um and so if i were to put man I'm, you're going to have me thinking about this <laughs> Um, it took, it took, it took, uh, people telling me, honestly, like you could only be told that you, you marched to beat your own drummer so many times, uh, that you're like, well, I must, I must really be different. Um, it's just, I never realized it until retrospect, looking back on it, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. How do you and your culture or your family celebrate or recognize death? Like what's the process? Uh, we don't really have traditions and we don't really um, you know uh, oh man when when my father passed uh, Hurricane Maria had just passed through Puerto Rico and um they were not holding on to dead bodies for very long and they um they uh were going to pretty much they needed to do the funeral funeral as quickly as possible because you know there was there was a, a you know loss, large loss of life after maria and the airplane airfare was not something i could pay mm. So I never got the opportunity to see how my family in Puerto Rico mourns. Um, my family, um, he out here, you know, whenever my my uncle passed away, uh, not not Lenny, but whenever my uh, another uncle uh, passed away, uh, you know, um, there was no expectation for me to go because you know, like I, I'm out here. You know, uh, I, w I wasn't in a position to drop everything and go over there, you know. Um, so I guess uh, I would say that my family is accepting to an extent. There's some people that get kind of, uh, the, you know, you disrespected us kind of thing. But for the most part, we let each other more. We let each other more and we let each other more and how we will mourn. You know, um, there are really haven't been many deaths in my in my family um but i i think that i'm blessed to have a family that understand that death is a thing that happens and that um um and that you just you know you just gotta you just gotta experience it you know it's it's, it's not something you can avoid no, i understand and thank you so much for sharing with us as well really mm -hmm. real okay you're a rocking and rolling we have okay. about, about five more questions. Okay. All right, good. If you are wealthy beyond any means, like money was not an issue, whatever you can wanted to purchase, you can purchase it. You're okay. You're fine on money. But you have to have one career or one job. You have to do one thing 
what would you want to do? Um, I would be one of those obnoxious people that write musing uh, articles and, and periodicals like the Atlantic or the New Yorker or something, you know? Um, and then, because I would, that's what I would do with my money. I just wander, wander aimlessly and, and look at shit. I mean, that's, <laughs> study shit. and I would just document all the stuff that I was doing. Okay. But, you know, get a little, get a little blog or you know youtube channel or something oh, yo, just there. so the podcast, yeah. <laughs> love it uh, love it yeah yeah i mean yeah because that's what i would do with the money i just wander around okay. okay we appreciate it when was the last time you cried oh when was the last time i cried um oh um, the last time I cried, uh, my niece's brother, uh, he was, uh, he was, he was murdered by cops in Indianapolis and mm. I didn't know him all that well, but my niece means the world to me. She's my best friend. And, um, I don't know. I, I felt like he was the nephew that I never got to get to know. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as close as my niece and I are in some of the some of the things we, you know, I, I, I went with her to Puerto Rico for her first time, you know, and it was kind of sad because like there's this other person in her life that meant so much to her, and I will never get to know that, you know, and he was he was taken away from us, you know, so uh, I, I kind of hate the question, well, were you close? And I was like, dude, this is family, you know what I mean, like. Family is not just the past. Family is the future as well, you know. And uh, and and, the, and we know whenever you lose a family member, it's not it, you know people focus people literally dwell on the past. You know what I mean? Like they, they focus so much on everything that, that that happened. Sometimes they don't they don't think about the things the things that that person will never get to experience with you. You know. And um, I would say that that was that, that was an intense experience. You know. Um, being here in Seattle, not being able to um, be by my family, uh, going, it was at the beginning of the pandemic, dude. It was a couple weeks before George Floyd all happened. Uh, I, I, I was for this. We have, what was his name? His name was Mikhail Rose. Thank you. Say his name. Yeah. Mikhail Rose. Um, yeah, so that was that was the last time I cried. Um, I, I, I somebody had introduced me to Exoma, who is uh, I think he was. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't know if it's Bahamian or Bayesian, but Barbados or Bahamas, but um, uh, artist, and um, he 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 had a version of Dumbala. I didn't realize that uh, um, Nina Simone had a had a uh, had a uh, version of the song Dumbala. And you know, I'm I'm in there. I'm listening to this intense music, and it's the line, um, "You, uh, you, you slavers will know what it means to be a slave. Uh, you won't go to heaven. You won't go to hell. You'll uh, rot in your graves in the stench and the smell." And like, like I felt so much anger at the world. You know what I mean? And I'm like listening to this this person and sing the song. Um, about you know a Atlantic slash Caribbean uh, serpent deity world creator you know it was a 
it was a very interesting time. Yeah. <laughs> All those things kind of happened at the same time. So. Well, once again, you know, our condolences and, you know, our love goes out to you and yours. So appreciate you for sharing once again. Um, and you, you mentioned something about future. So this is something, a question I love, and it is, would you rather go back in time and talk to your younger self or whether you have currently, would you have your future self come and talk to you? I would, I would, um, I've struggled with loneliness my whole life. I would, I would go back in time and, and, and remind myself that I wasn't alone. Mm. Wow. Beautiful. Uh, I would, um, you know, younger Mondo had a lot of, had a lot of sadness, uh, in his life and, um, internally, you know, um, and sometimes you know, I say my bad, bad, bad thinking. You know, sometimes bad thinking can exacerbate that. So, yeah, I go back. Oh, and, and I tell them to uh, invest in crypto too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Whatever You're change you got, whatever change you got in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. And just got a few more. So, this is your last meal. What would it be, and who would prepare it for you? Oh man. I'm split, right? Be- no, no, I'm not split. I it's going to be arroz con gandule. That is yellow rice with pigeon peas, um, uh, pernil, which is pork shoulder. With the okay, remember I was talking about Atlantic Creole? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because we talk about comida criolla all the time. It's Creole cooking, and I didn't realize criollo. That's where it, that's where it comes from. Uh, but uh, cri- criollo, comida criolla. Um, uh, so like, yeah, arroz con gandule, panit, which is a which is a, a pork shoulder um, with pasteles, which is kind of like the the Caribbean equivalent of the of a tamale, which is uh, or a tamal, which is like wrapped in a banana leaf. It's root vegetable, like uh, like ñame or yuca or something like that. And then you you uh, you put like some achiote oil on the uh, or is it is it achiote? I think it's achiote. You put it on the um, put it on the banana leaf. Uh, put some meat. Put some olives. Wrap it up. You know, it's it's good. It's it's good shit, man. It's Sounds so delicious. Yes. Yeah. Oh, with some fried plantains, and then we're gonna do some shots on the side with some coke with the Coca Cola. <laughs> rum shots on the side with Coca Rum or tequila. Anyway. Hey. I was glad you cleaned up that last part right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big old line. No, no, no. The Coca-Cola. Yeah. Oh, this sounds delicious. I don't know. It's, my guy's partying. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, yes, love it, love it, love it. And who prepared? Oh, I mean, if the fam isn't there, uh, some wonderful, beautiful Puerto Rico. Hey, do it, do it big. Do it big. Yeah, yeah. Okay, these are the last two. How do you want people to remember you? Oh man, that's easy. Uh, just a good person, like for real. Like I used to say, I want to put on my grave. Uh, here lies Mondo, a good man, but I don't consider myself a man anymore. So good person, you know, that's where I'm at now, you know. Um, 
And I know this sounds bad. I don't consider myself a man anymore. I mean that in a really good, positive way because it makes me happy not to not to try to fit into that anymore. You know. Yes. But yeah, I, I uh, yeah, uh, that's the the only thing you leave behind in life is a legacy because even your bones turn to dust. You know. So I mean, like that's <laughs> yeah, be a good person. Yes, love it, love it. And last question. What changes do you want to see in your culture? Um, I would like to see the last bit of racism stamped out of uh, Puerto Rican culture because it's still kind of there. But at the same time, I think that Puerto Rico, uh, and I, you and I have discussed this. I'm seeing a lot of literature that means that 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 kind of leaves the fact that the Caribbean is the true melt is a, is a, it's kind of like a true melting pot like sometimes i feel like when america said that it was the melting pot they just meant you know everybody can come in and start living the white life whereas you know um some of the research i'm looking at means that like no actually like this is a culture of people bringing their peace and adding it to you know adding their peace to the mosaic of what's going on you know a culture shouldn't be a melting pot it should be a mosaic it should be a tapestry each individual thread is a different color, but they all go together and they make a picture. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the way it is, you know. Um, so I would like to see that. I would like to see... Um, I would like to see some things Some things that I think Puerto Rican culture hits on the head that doesn't translate to the rest of Latinx culture. So, for instance, um, you know, Puerto Ricans were part of hip-hop in New York. But at inception, you know what I mean, like, uh, and I, I feel I feel like the rest of Latin America would benefit from that same sort of uh, mutual understanding of we're going through this together. You know what I mean? So if if um, you know, because there is a lot of racism in Latin America, uh, I would like to see uh, the patriarchy uh, brought down in Latin American culture. Uh, machismo is not a good thing and is not beneficial for society. Uh, you know, these, you know, uh, they, you know, these women in El Salvador that, you know, are, are getting executed, you know, that are being imprisoned for, for abortions, you know, that kind of shit. Like, I don't, I, I think we're past it. I think, um, you know, I think homophobia needs to be stamped out. <laughs> you know, it really, it really does. You know, um, I think that, and, and like I said, things, I don't think things are as bad as they were in the nineties, but um, one thing that, you know, I can speak to the Caribbean experience. I can speak to the, to the Puerto Rican experience. Um, I can't really speak to the broader sense of, 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 of Latin America, but at the same time there is, I think there is a pan Latin American identity. And I think that, that pan Latin American identity is the acceptance that we are colonized. White, black, you know, brown, we have all been colonized and we need to finally break the shackles of that colonization. We need to, we need to, we need to stop uh, looking at our society like it's stratified. We need to, you know, let's, let's eliminate this aristocracy, you know, um, that's what I would like to see changed in my culture. Wow. Beautiful. Mondo, you've done it. You've made it. You've completed the makings of you. <laughs> Thank so, you. 
Mondo, if you're trying to be found, where can the people find you through social media? Uh, Mondo Maxwell on Instagram. Um, Mondo Max, M-A-N-D-O-M-A-X-I-M-O is usually my handle on most things. So you can find that. Um, hopefully, um, coming soon, there will be um, a podcast and uh, I am working on some fiction right now. So hopefully I'll find a home for my fiction soon too. If anybody out there wants to give me suggestions, I'm willing to take them. So yeah. You know we're here to support with everything culture. Well, we can. We toss some things to you. Um, And y'all know where y'all can find us. Anywhere y'all listen to a podcast at Everything Culture. Um, Make sure to check out the website at everythingculture.com. Check out the new merchandise. Um, We really appreciate you all tuning in with us and enjoying the makings of Mundo. And make sure to tune in, follow him. Check out his future work as well. Well, check out their future work as well. And we really appreciate y'all tuning in in all different ways and listen to us from TikTok to IG to Twitter, Facebook, you name it. We're so thankful for your support. And as always, oh, season four coming soon. And as always, we appreciate y'all and talk to y'all later. God bless. Peace. Love you. Good people. It's your host, Drake, the Mr. D713 with Everything Culture. Just letting you know, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Makers of You. We greatly appreciate your support. We look forward to more support in season four. Make sure you check out www.everythingculture.com for our new merchandise, as well as check out all of our social media sites from Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and IG. We're all over. We greatly appreciate your support, and we look forward to seeing y'all in the next episode. Peace.